Recode Radio presents Too Embarrassed to Ask, hosted by me, Kara Swisher, and Lauren Good of The Verge, powered by digital media. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior editor of technology at The Verge. And you're calling in from Southern California from an iPhone, is that correct? I'm calling it. I have so many different forms of technology in front of me right now, and like two-thirds of them are working, so that's good. All right. Well, in any case, this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast that's all about making technology easier to use and understand. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have questions that you've been dying to ask, like which podcast recorder you should take with you when you need to tape a radio show. But really, if you have questions you've been dying to ask about technology, we will give you the answers, plus our views on all the latest gadgets. Submit your questions in advance by tweeting them at Recode with hashtag AskRecode. That's all one word, hashtag AskRecode if you cannot spell. And Kara, did you know that you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes? That's at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And while you're there, leave us a review. Yeah, just say I'm great and Lauren's not so great. That would be fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. If you have to, just leave something. Five stars. Yeah, five stars. Um, so last week you flaked out on me and, and made me do this podcast with Kurt Wagner, who I really do secretly like better. Uh, but this week you're phoning it in again, correct? Because you're on a vacation in Southern well, California. Well, Kara, um, actually I'm not on a vacation. If you want to see me, you should get your butt down here to the Code Media Conference, which is where I'm calling in from. So I am coming down there tomorrow, as soon as I'm done with this, to be interviewing and being on stage, as I am so want to do. Um, so don't think about any ideas about taking over. Well, I until I get there, I have to. You know, interview. it's already been it's already been proposed to me. Really? But, but uh, yeah, no, but it's okay. I, I shouldn't have said anything. Go <laughs> ahead. Who are you going to interview? Yeah, I'm interviewing Vice Guy, also Joanna Coles, who is the editor of Cosmopolitan. It's going to be really Shane Smith is and Joanna. It's going to be they're kind of a fun group of people to talk to. It really is a fantastic group of people, and I have to say, I like Cosmopolitan Discover on Snapchat. And we're going to be talking about that. She just yeah. joined the board of Snapchat. So she did. Kind of interesting. And of course, there's always a lot to talk about with Vice. So, well, today on Too Embarrassed to Ask, we're not going to be talking about digital media exactly. We're going to be talking about on-demand services, ranging from the Ubers of the world to food and grocery deliveries to even what you know, socks and treats for your dog and all this crazy stuff. But it, it seems like there are so many of them popping up right now. And later on in the show, we have a perfect guest to weigh in on this topic, Kevin Gibbon. He's the CEO of shipping startup Ship. If you've ever been frustrated by a FedEx or UPS experience and, you know, who hasn't, uh, you're going to want to listen to this. Great. I'm very excited about that. I, I use a lot of those services all the time. I'm I am going to tell my joke again that San Francisco has become assisted living for millennials, uh, <laughs> So and including Kara Swisher. But first, let's talk generally about companies like Ship are and what they're doing. So talk about this on-demand craze, Lauren, our expert. Um, yeah, well, I mean, as I mentioned, this is something that we've seen crop up a lot, not just in San Francisco, but in other metropolitan areas and abroad as well. And you probably know better than I do, Kara, but the idea of, you know, sort of using an online service to order something or get something delivered to you or get something quote unquote on demand is not a new idea. It's something no. that was done back in the technology era of the 90s. But now we have mobile phones on us. And so really, this is something that's really exploded, I'd say, over the past five years or so, as mobile apps have enabled this like, you know, in your pocket computer experience. And the networks and the infrastructure are there yeah. um, that kind of make these services possible. Yeah, Liz called them, Liz Gaines, who wrote about it in 2014, 
2014, instant gratification. And it's sort of the Uber for X. And is that idea outdated? Because I, I have to tell you, I don't go to the store anymore. I order everything on demand, which is What's kind of, the craziest yeah, on-demand product Me? you've ever considered? Yeah. Oh, um... I just ordered recently some cat issues. We have some cat issues. And so there were some issues to deal with the cat. And it was nice not to have to go to the store and search for them. I have to say that there have been times recently, I haven't done it yet, but there's a service in my neighborhood that will deliver Starbucks for you. And there have been times when I've been like, I've woken up in the morning and I thought I can't leave my desk for the next one across the street for the next two. Well, I don't, you know, I don't live in an area anymore where you can just walk to the coffee shop and everything's Mm -hmm. driving or riding your bike. And so if I'm like, oh, I'm tied to my desk for the next two to three hours with back to back meetings and I don't have any coffee in the house. And I'm like, can I just, can I use this service to get Starbucks or is that too far? And I always stop myself. I, I, I haven't done it yet. I'm thinking it's just, I can't justify paying a surcharge on top of Starbucks coffee. So, so what are the biggest problems these companies solve is that these mobile phone, everything is just a lot easier and these delivery services are available. I mean, time, efficiency and time, right? The idea is that if you can't get to the grocery store yourself or you, you know, even if you're looking for some type of novelty service, right? And it's not something that's easily accessible to you, they bring it to you. Um, there are contractors that are trying to make your life easier by taking care of it for you and then allowing you know you more free time to i don't know whatever it is we're all doing these days browsing on facebook yeah. someone asked me that the other day someone actually said what are we all doing with all of this free time that's being that's being saved that but i think in truth like facebook that's true i mean i think for like a lot of modern professionals the work life balance has shifted to a point where it almost does feel like work never ends um that's not for everybody of course um and, and we we sort of we're sort of privileged in this way right it's yeah. it's even a problem that we have to worry about but but it's like if, if you are always or you feel like you're always working you are always working and it's very hard to get to fedex to spend time shipping something right then the value here is supposed to be that they do these things for you and why doesn't uber do that everything is the uber of or for x and uber is of course getting into that i've seen some decks that they're talking about their own delivery services too yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of companies, the goal is to be the Uber for X, so to speak. And in a, if you're a startup company and you're not very popular yet and someone brands you the Uber for this niche service, then it's m- maybe not a bad thing for your marketing. But interestingly enough, I've talked to a few companies who have actively discouraged you know, us as journalists from using the phrase Uber for X. Uber, like I talked to a, an on-demand fuel company a couple weeks ago yeah, where they actually bring the gas to your vehicle. Right. So you don't yeah, go to the gas station. Crazy, but then that, now they're not so crazy to me. I, that's actually a very good idea. It can be if you're addressing, you know, like a large fleet of vehicles or mm-hmm. your, you know, your corporate perk and that sort of thing. But two of the founders I spoke to said, don't call us Uber for gas because we're trying to stay away from the contractor model. The guys mm-hmm. who deliver, the women who deliver gas for us are these hazmat certified employees and we're hiring them. We're building an employee base here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've heard that more frequently from some companies that say we don't want to be coined the phrase Uber because it implies a contractor model. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's not as nice terms for that. Other people think that right. keeping them under their thumb. Um, so how can listeners figure out what services they have access to in their area? 
Well, one of the easiest ways to do it a lot of times is just to open up one of these these apps and type in your zip code. I mean, that's initially kind of what happens when you go to sign up because they need to know where you're located. And then if it's not available in your area, you might be told right away it's not there. I might also suggest reading some of our wonderful articles on Recode and The Verge about some of these services to see um, where they're available. A lot of times there are company FAQ pages on the web that will say, we're available in these 10 cities and here's where they are. Um, but some of them are actually becoming fairly widespread. In fact, after we, you and I were tweeting today about on-demand services and someone wrote back to me and said, hey, we're doing lawn care on demand. And I thought, mm -hmm. oh God, lawn care, This is we're, we're really going there now. But mm -hmm. they said, um, we're not doing metropolitan areas. We're focusing on markets like Omaha, Nebraska and Orlando, Florida, because that's where people have lawns. So you'd be surprised where you can find some of these services. Well, sort of a, just a, an institutionalization of stuff that already existed. There were always lawn care people and you did find them through numbers at the supermarket or friends or stuff like that. I mean, what are your thoughts on this explosion of on-demand services, having covered stuff like this, you know, 10, it's just 15 made, years you know, ago? Years ago, there was Cosmo.com, and I always said they were one mugging away from the end of their business, like, you know, who's delivering these things to your house and stuff. And this was a model in New York forever. Anything could be delivered to you if you lived in New York City, you know, in terms of food and all kinds of stuff. And so I think people have just, they have their mobile phones and they can do it. And they, the whole car experience has become so hard in cities, especially uh, and everywhere. And so eventually, you know, these cars are going to deliver stuff to you. These self-driving cars that are empty will probably be delivering stuff to you um, in some fashion. It doesn't make any sense to go to a store anymore on lots of levels if you live in a city like San Francisco or others that have a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. We'll see we'll where see. it goes. And we'll have yeah. to see what the long-term implications are, too, for our labor force. Yeah, exactly. As more and more people go freelance and contractor. Yeah, absolutely. Or if that's going to continue. So first, a word from our sponsor. Are you an entrepreneur or startup looking for legal help with your financing, acquisition, or incorporation? If so, then you should consider checking out Walker Corporate Law. Walker Corporate Law is a different kind of law firm. Unlike traditional law firms, they only have lawyers with 10 to 25 years of experience, which means you're getting personal attention from a senior lawyer, not a junior lawyer getting on the job training. They also encourage fixed fees because they believe that when lawyers bill by the hour, it rewards inefficiency. So check them out at walkercorporatelaw.com. Or you can call the founder, Scott, at 415-979-9999. That's walkercorporatelaw.com or 415-979-9999. All right, Lauren, we're going to take some questions from readers and listeners. Remember, if you have any questions about tech topics, tweet them to us at hashtag AskRecode. First question, Lauren, why don't you read it? Sure. This is from at Manuel Alvarado. And he says, how do on-demand services prevent the contractor skipping the service on repeat business? Mm. This is a really good question. And I have to say, it's something that I've I have considered doing myself. Mm -hmm. Like I used to use TaskRabbit pretty regularly and I, you know, sort of connected with this person mm -hmm. who was helping out with certain things. And, and I thought, Hmm, maybe this is like a thing where we can work out, you know, we can arrange something on the side where I like don't necessarily have to open the TaskRabbit app in order to right. contact this person. The short answer is that there's no way to prevent it. I mean, the service, I'm sure that there could be some type of like, you know, digital footprint or data trail that they could possibly follow if they wanted to really get down into it and find out whether 
that contractor has gone outside of the app and decided mm-hmm. to communicate with people on their own. But some contractors I have found don't actually want to go outside of the the services, you know, communication or the services messaging tool because it protects them. I mean, they could start working with someone independently that they, you know, met through their contractor job and then that person could potentially, you know, screw them right. out of money right. or or say, "Hey, I'm, you're billing me for this many hours and actually I clocked this many hours." Whereas once if you're using an already built tool that where there's like a third party that is sort of acting as a mediator, then you have these other digital footprints of the services that have actually been um, performed. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times, you know, people don't necessarily, some contractors probably do, they want to get work on the side. And some probably say it's better for me to stick within the application because it protects me too. Ah, interesting. Yeah, but there will be, that'll happen normally, I think, especially around the, like the task rabbits, not so much the delivery services or things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have a specially delivery man or something like that. Right. Um, all right. Next question is from David Aragon at David M. Aragon. I hear that Lyft treats employees better than Uber, but how do I verify and apply this to other on-demand industries? Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard that a lot too. Although yeah. people hmm. seem to do, be doing more Uber, even though they don't like them as much. It's true, right? Anecdotally, I hear that. Yeah. People will say, oh, I heard this terrible thing about Uber in the news the other day, and then they leave the airport, and they're like, I need to call an Uber. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it does depend on what you mean by treated better, but there are financial differences in their business models. Uber takes a 25% cut from its Uber X driver fares, and Lyft takes a 20% cut from all you know actions and services performed. Um, Uber drivers don't get tipped. Yeah, Lyft, Lyft drivers, if you're using the Lyft app, there's an option afterwards to tip. There were some complaints, and this is you know coming from drivers uh, this summer, that the company at Uber had discounted its rates too deeply mm-hmm. in an effort to learn more customers. Right. That was a big controversy. And uh, yeah, I mean, one driver in the Bay Area just told me the other day that he makes 85 cents per mile um, there in the Bay Area, which is a very expensive area, as we know. Whereas in Portland, Oregon, you can make more money, but it, it sort of doesn't make sense because it's the cost of living there is less. And then in some cities, after Uber rolled out the deep discounts on fares in order to lure more customers, they kept them, which a lot of drivers were also not happy about. They said, oh, this wasn't just a summer thing. You know, in San Francisco and Seattle and Boston, these other cities were actually going to keep the fares that low. Um, So they're obviously trying to, like, attack the largest possible addressable market that they can. But on the driver's side, the drivers are saying, well, you know, it's really getting harder for me to make a living. So there's that whole issue. And then there's the whole issue of contractors versus employees that Uber has been facing now for months. So I guess the question, you know, is how do I verify and apply this is what David is asking. It's really hard to verify this without, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of reading the news like like we put out there, right? This is this is our job and what we do and apply this to other you could probably write directly to them in a lot of cases and demand to know or demand for more transparency around some of their practices if you're really concerned, but it might be yeah. hard to get it out I mean, this, of them. This contractor employee thing is going to come to a head. And, you know, we just mm-hmm. had Gavin Newsom, we, we taped an episode with him, and he was talking about a different designation of employee in the future. There's not employees or contractors or somewhere in the middle, which is interesting. We have to rewrite our entire work what work it really is, and there's other kinds of employees where your benefits can go with you. Um, so, you know, so that you have that. 
Ability. I mean, do you do you find Kara that you like? I ask everybody. Yes, if do. someone if someone comes to the door with a delivery, I and they're working for a new startup that I'm interested in. Yeah, I, I say, how do you like yeah. working for them? What's it like? And yeah. a lot of times, you that's how you can get a good answer. Yeah, yeah, I get Uber drivers really hate the service, and yet here they are continuing to drive Uber. It's kind of fascinating. I yeah. hate it. I'm like, well, why are you doing it? I like it. You know, it makes money. You know, it was it's, it's interesting. Flexible. Yeah, yeah. yeah you hear both sides of that argument too. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I I'm not getting my my car paid for, and my car is racking up. You yeah. Know, that's and damage, an and then they say, "But I like that I'm flexible too." So it's it's really interesting. They definitely, Lyft is the, considered the nicer, the softer side of that. This services and stuff. Yeah, I agree. All right. The next question is Casey Wagner. Do you foresee consolidation among similar companies? Seems like food delivery, in particular, is oversaturated. I would agree, Lauren. Yeah, I think so. I think that we're eventually going to go there, and I think that you're going to see some of the larger players like Amazon, maybe, um, which is looking to get more into food delivery, immediate food delivery, and maybe even Uber, which has been trying to do food delivery. You know, they certainly have more capital at their disposal to say, "Hey, we're interested in this fledging little startup. Maybe we should join forces." Um, but what do you think? I mean, how do you think this I, is all? I think sh- I'm thrilled that VCs are paying for my inexpensive meals, and they're delicious. Uh, and I think it's going to go, you know, I don't care how much money they lose. Uh, I don't, honestly, it's like great food for very little money. Um, and it feeds into my lazy ways. So, you know, I think it's absolutely going to, it's oversaturated and will consolidate. There's no question. Some of the ones I'm hearing lately are so insane. That I know. It just seems, you know, I'm going to deliver your baby food for you. I'm going to deliver your. Oh, it's like your, you know, your artisanal oatmeal yeah, cookie lunches. that's been milled n- next yeah. door. That's it's actually just, supposed to be for your really dogs. Or, you know, it's yeah. just not. It's just not. I can't. <laughs> you know, I do like these ones at the restaurants. Those are certainly, they make sense. I don't think there's going to be all these services to do it, but eventually they're going to consolidate. But I do like the ability to have more restaurant choice. And those the restaurants will stay around as they always have, I think. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. So now we're going to bring on our special guest, SHIP CEO Kevin Gibbon, in just a minute. Uh, but first, by the time this episode comes out, Peter Kafka's Code Media 2016 conference will be over. And if you missed it, don't worry. We're posting the audio of all of the amazing speakers at one of Recode's other podcasts called Recode Replay. You can find that audio on our site at recode.net slash replay or on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay. It's all free, so you have no excuse not to listen to it. And now we'd also like to thank our sponsor, Kafka-esque Cologne for Men. Unfortunately, you can't report on the media business the way Recode senior media editor Peter Kafka does, because he's one of a kind. But you can smell like him. Kafka-esque combines the aromas of leather-bound books, typewriter ink, and mezcal with an oaky grumpiness that's sure to leave an impression. Sounds disgusting. That's Kafka-esque cologne for men. Just because you're not Peter doesn't mean you can't smell like it. Uh, That sounds dirty. I don't even want to go into why that sounds so bad. That's just terrible. All right. And speaking of Peter Kafka, on Wednesday, we announced his new podcast, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. I wanted to call it Kafka Cast, but nobody would let me. Um, It's a weekly show full of smart and fascinating conversations with the most interesting people in the media world. And you can subscribe to it now on iTunes.com slash Recode Media. And this week on Too Embarrassed to Ask, we have our own interesting person to talk to, and that's SHIP CEO Kevin Gibbon. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So for listeners who might not know, briefly explain what SHIP does. Uh, so SHIP is the easiest way to send anything anywhere in the world. So how it works, it's an iPhone, Android app. You take a photo. It could be a very large item. Uh, you tell us where it's going anywhere in the world. We'll come to your place or your, your work less than 20 minutes. We'll professionally package everything. We'll take it back to our warehouse. And then we'll also price compare across all the major carriers and give you the lowest retail rate. 
And actually, as far as the on-demand piece, we're, we're kind of going the opposite way. We've seen that while the come in 20 minutes and actually in, we're in four markets right now, San Francisco, be eight to 10 minutes is really great. The nice thing about our use case is not very time sensitive. And so we've actually just kind of gone the opposite approach. We're rolling out a scheduling feature, which actually is taking off very, very well. So where, where did this idea come from? And I, I like the why. Yeah. The why, because you couldn't do the I, right? You couldn't. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. what you could get. I can't believe that was available too, though. It's yeah. interesting. Yep. So um, where did this idea come from? I mean, that, that sh- there's so many shippers around. There's UPS, there's FedEx. FedEx was innovative in its time, obviously changed the whole course of shipping. Of course, yeah. Some really, really innovative companies, especially in their day. Um, how did the idea came about? I used to actually be an eBay power seller when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... I sold just a, a number of different things, whatever I could buy at a discounted rate and resell it. I did some clothing. Uh, I had a friend that had a line on some wholesale sports equipment, really anything I'd make any sort of margin on. You can probably see where I'm going with this, but the, the shipping piece was the, the most terrible part of the entire business. It actually was prohibitive from my scaling. It was myself doing most of it and kind of reached a point where it's like, okay, do I outsource this to somebody else, another company? Do I hire somebody? It just didn't make a lot of sense and it was actually prohibitive for me scaling the business. And then through that entire process, I just realized how really kind of, there, there hasn't been any innovation in that in, in, in the shipping industry. While it's, it's one of the largest industries out there, uh, it hasn't been touched by technology really at all. Um, well, there is the scanner. There's the scanner, yeah. yes. And sometimes it registers. But it just seemed, and this was like 10, 12 years ago, and it just really stuck with me. Like for, for me personally, I really want to be part of something that changes something for the better. I'm an engineer um, kind of by trade. And it was just really exciting to to potentially change something that is really embedded in a lot of our lives. And really the, the bar is quite low as far as technology and user experience and all of those things. Um, and that's kind of how meaning we, stores and stuff like that. You're not, Kevin. You're not changing the world through shipping, not, right? No, Please don't say that. No, I'll have to not. hit you. No, 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 no. It's it's a really big pain point for Kara, a lot of don't, people. Yeah. Don't abuse yeah. our guests, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not there to you know intermediate this stuff. Yeah, but, please. but but I mean, it is. There are store. There are all these stores that opened up. Private sort of independent people that do this, and also the chains that do shipping and all yep. kinds of copies and things like that. So yep. there's that's where you go there. And so this was the idea is you're at home and they just come get your stuff. Exactly, yeah. And we also take a – so we'll have a, a warehouse in, in the cities we operate in, and we're also able to do it better than anybody else. So we're, a, we're more efficient. We use more technology than an even a, an actual real e-commerce company, um, and especially more than the, the independent stores that are mostly like own, owner-operated. Right. And they're not they're not. There's a lot of peanuts. Yeah, they're yeah. not peanuts and a lot of the stuff that we've invested in, so we have some technology that actually will, will cut a custom box, right. so within 0.1 of an inch, mm-hmm. and that's really great because you don't have to have like uh, hundreds of different. It's an Amazonian sizes. thing too. They have that. They actually don't yeah. even do that either. Right. Um, no, I I have this. I just the other day I showed all my Amazon boxes in a big pile right. for like there was a tiny little thing in a giant box and it drove me crazy and so I took pictures of everything and, and it was fascinating how much. Twitter loved it, like the idea of like wasting. Well, it's really inefficient, right? But you have a big player like an Amazon, and they're able to just negotiate the rates. But if you think about um, an actual truck that's probably taking it from one warehouse to actually your home, it's taking up space there that could mm-hmm. be better situated. So, but you just have somebody like an Amazon that just has all that purchasing power, and they're able to negotiate all these rates. And so, what we're able to do for a small small business, somebody who sells an eBay, a consumer, we're able to take all of that knowledge, get really really good at it, um, and then offer this. Pre- 
premium service at more or less the same price that they would pay themselves. So we charge uh, for the pickup fee. So today it's a it's a five dollar flat rate, um, and then we'll charge the the lowest retail rate. And so there's a little bit of price to, uh, differences between like a FedEx, UPS, USPS. And so what we'll do is we'll price compare and. But give you're you, not doing the actual shipping, correct? We don't. No, yeah. we do. We call it we call it the first mile, and then mm-hmm. we'll hand it off to one of our partners, which will be one of these national. USPS, FedEx, UPS, and they, they do what they're, they're best at. Um, because if you look at the market, and this is what I did, like my personal pain point was on the eBay power selling side. And so I was, I was a, like an actual business. Um, the, in my opinion, the, the biggest friction point was actually getting the thing boxed, like going down and waiting in line, all of those things. There's a lack of the technology, not mobile, all those things. And so when it looked to solve something and decided on that first part of the experience. Sure, absolutely. Your main customers are who? Just regular people or, or people who are power sellers like yourself or people that have small businesses? I would imagine small businesses would be one of those things. Exactly, yeah. So when we started, um, it was very much a consumer product. Um, and we're, we're slowly actually quite quickly, uh, going after a lot of these SMBs. Mm -hmm. And so um, we just actually did an eBay integration and partnership. Um, And so you can import all your orders and actually it's a really, really great experience, notify the buyer, all those things. Um, And we'll slowly kind of go up market to these these larger businesses um, and and help them out. Why isn't eBay doing this? This seems like a lot of these companies should have these services. Yeah, of course. I think that... Well, they bought PayPal in the end. Right, right, yeah. eBay has tried this, by the way. They they did a pilot of something called eBay Valet, but they charged something like a 30% markup just to um i think try to sell your items for you and you still have to do the shipping like you'd send them your stuff in a box and that i don't think it lasted very long for them yeah i I think that like what what ebay is really great they're a marketplace right they're really good at that that piece of it and and this is it's really it's a tough tough business to get it right to get the cost right all of those things and so when you look at the makeup of our team of course is a lot of engineers a lot of product people a a lot of those type of people but we also have people that are in the logistics industry, understand that that piece. They understand out how to build out a warehouse, how to actually scale operations or, or across a, a country or globally, like all of those things. It's a really, really tough business, even for a company like a, like an eBay. Mm-hmm. So the environmental impact, I was talking about these boxes. I mean, I'm anal retentive, so I get upset about these things. But, you know, more and more shipping and less and less. I mean, there is the, the trade-off of not having to drive places, not mm-hmm. having to carry things. Yeah, the, the, the boxes itself, yeah, it's something that it'd be nice to, to fix that, but we're kind of working within the constraints of dealing with it, working mm-hmm. with a partner like a FedEx or UPS, and unfortunately you still have to do that. So we'll do our part. We'll, we'll try to minimize the impact, and actually it saves people money as well because as a small business or consumer, you can actually get charged on the size of a box, you mm-hmm. know, on Amazon, so you're not able to kind of uh, use that purchasing power. So we're actually able to provide that as a service to our customers It's as well. your famous box cutter thing. Yeah. So when you think about that, where it's going, like think about it on a larger level all these on-demand services where is this headed where do you imagine it's headed um i think there's a lot of services that are really transformative i think that an uber and lyft i think that is just completely rethinks a really old industry and actually is probably going to really eat into like car ownership as a whole and then the whole self-driving thing um it really changes changes the way people operate but i think that there's a lot of services out there that i definitely question their unit economics if they're actually viable and i would say in, in a lot of cases they're not um and so consolidation acquisitions maybe a lot of them go away i think 
probably that's that's realistic. Uh, but also, like like anything, I think that there will be some that do figure it out and they, they do survive. I think there's a tendency to just kind of lump everybody in and on demand or any category. It's really easy, but every individual business is different. Like you can consider us as on demand business as far as like we'll come. To, we started coming home in less than 20 minutes, but now we're we're, we're changing that. We're offering scheduling. It's it's better for our customers and also for our unit economics or efficiencies and everything. Um, and not everything is the exact same. So there there will be people that that do make it out of this. Kevin, you mentioned the economics. I mean, are, are you guys making money right now? Or is this the sort of thing like, you know, I always think back to Amazon Prime. When Amazon Prime first launched, Amazon was going to take, just take a huge cut, like lose a ton of money mm-hmm. on doing this two-day shipping. But now it has become such a valuable part of their promise to customers, right? And, and so for them, it was a worthwhile bet. But it seems like a $5 surcharge on top of shipping maybe isn't all that much for you guys. It's great for consumers, but not a lot for you guys. I mean, are, are you making money? Yeah, so how our business model works is that we do charge $5, and that actually helps cover the, the most expensive piece of, in the entire transaction, which is come, the labor piece coming to you. Um, but we actually, when we charge retail on the actual shipping itself, we get highly discounted rates from the carriers. And so that also is how we make actually most of our money there. So if you look to compare us to another on-demand company, um, our margins are really, really high. Um, and also the, the average transaction um, revenue is quite high uh, as well. And so like... I could say we're not profitable today, um, but that is a focus for us right now. It has to be, right? Mm-hmm. Right, now. Be. Wow. right now. How much money? Well, I think it has to be. No, it has business. to be right now. Yeah. We're going into winter right yeah. now. What, what, how much money have you raised? $62 million. $62 million. Okay. And from a range of venture capitalists and stuff. Yeah, the last round was um, Kleiner Perkins led it, John Doerr joined our board. Do you feel like you have to raise more money? Is this like a because right now again things seem to be tightening up quite yeah, a bit? Yeah, I think that like to have a successful business, we want to we want to do everything that we can to be successful and um, being profitable. Like what a novel idea, of mm-hmm. course. Like that that's something that we absolutely will, will go towards. But as soon as you see a lot of the, the right signs, uh, you have a really big market. Um, and you want to go faster, of course. If you're able to have those proof points, whether it be profitability or, or growth or whatever it is. Raising the venture capital is how you could accelerate all those things. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of companies out there that don't have the, – they're, they're prematurely scaling um, their businesses at a, mm-hmm. at a really big loss. Mm-hmm. You guys have actually gotten some attention for switching to an employee model rather than a contractor model, which is the thing you know that we mentioned earlier. Uber comes under fire for – and that transitioning was happening at the start of the year, right? Uh, no, we actually completed that uh, we've in November – Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So what spurred that? I mean, what what was your thought process behind that? So it was a, it was a number of things. And so um, how our business works, uh, because the, the, the use case is not it's not very timely. And so a lot of people actually have uh, want to ship something in the morning. Maybe they're in their office. They want to do it at lunchtime and in the evening when they get back home. And so our actual uh, demand curves are actually quite flat. And so we're, it's actually better for us to schedule people for long shifts, and that actually lends a lot better to the employee model. And also thinking about like the the, the legal side of it, like which side do we really want to be on? Of course, plays plays a part. While that wasn't the the reason we made this decision, but also like the the actual the the experience for both the the courier and also the customer. Like if you talk to our couriers, they they all wanted this, and I could actually the, share that about ninety eight percent of them actually went through with the actual transition we, we had to it was a completely new job um, we proposed it to them 98 percent of people actually completed so like these these employees or contractors they really do want this and also thinking about on the the customer experience um, a lot of things we weren't able to do like on the the uniform piece like 
that's that's there's a sense of trust there that you're able to convey um and also that the lack of training as a contractor you actually can't train them at all right. and because our service is is more complicated than just delivering a piece of food it's it's show up at your door and you're you're sending this large painting and you have questions or maybe you want it expedited or a lot of other things that we would actually like to train all of our actual couriers and so we went through the transition and it's been great like the, the but more expensive yeah, of course. Like there, the, there is a more expensive aspect to it, but we actually a lot of we're, we're still figuring out exactly what it's going to shake out to be. But a lot of the things that was actually negatively affecting it on the contractor basis, and so um, I think this is actually one of, one of your questions you had um, earlier in the show. But uh, as a contractor, you don't actually have to accept any job. You're basically y- you the the service will ask you to do a certain tasks up to you like on a on a per transaction basis if you do that or not and that what that means is that you get a lot of cancellations you're not actually able to plan really well and our service as it's very very flat as far as the demand like it lends better to the actual scheduling piece right. there will be a change in workers how workers are designated i think that's what we need a new fresh look yeah. at the new economy yeah last quick question then we're going to go to the next part what's the weirdest thing you've ever shipped i know you've gotten this question don't the- say a horse the weirdest thing we ever shipped. Um, well, somebody, so somebody was testing out how good we package the the items, and they they actually shipped uh, some eggs that mm-hmm. were they actually cracked the eggs and put them together, and uh, we didn't know uh, until after it happened, and luckily it survived the entire ordeal. Mm-hmm. So that's was probably one of the interesting things. But, um, <laughs> Who I'm, did that? Neelay Patel, the Verge, right? Know. Your boss. Sure. He was sending you rotten eggs, Karen. <laughs> eggs, it's true. All right, so uh, Kevin, you've been a great guest, Lauren. What are you going to do now? Well, now it's time to play a game we call "Too Embarrassed to Answer." So this is the part of the show, Kevin, when we read you quotes about the tech news that was hot off the presses this week, and we're There's going no to no presses, Lauren. I know, but it's just a it's a turn of phrase, Kara. Never any presses. It's like anymore. saying a sheet of ice. A sheet of ice is not a sheet, okay? But in either case, it is. <laughs> all right, let's move along. We're going to so basically, we're going to test your industry knowledge, or we're at least trying to figure out if you consume any news that's maybe not on Snapchat Discover or something like that. But okay, I'm not a Snapchat user. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there you're you too go. old. Yeah, it, <laughs> it sounds like you read. A, it sounds like you read a lot of news, so that's good. So you're okay. over twelve. Um, are you ready to play? Yes. Okay, number one. Earlier this week, our esteemed colleague Peter Kafka wrote a story about Apple in which he said, quote, Apple has already been financing video content it uses to extend blank another Apple product. Kevin, is Apple financing video content to extend A, the battery life of the Apple battery case, B, Phil Schiller's car collection, or C, its wannabe Spotify product, Apple Music? Three, C. Yes. Very good. Okay, that was an easy one. And I promise these will get harder, so don't get too overconfident. And by the way, um, this comes up every week, but we still haven't figured out exactly what the prizes are going to be for no people prize. who get all the... No, but the net... Kara, I have a new idea. What do you think we're a startup that has think- NBC money? <laughs> it's the, a foosball The joy table. of being near me is enough. No, I, th- I think we're going to mull the idea of a lunch with Kanye West or something. Yeah, but you, But unfortunately, you will, you will have to pick up the bill. Um, so, you know okay. I do know Kim Kardashian. Well. I, I know we can do. actually make this work. Can make he he wants to talk to these San Francisco guys. We need yeah. to make it Okay, Kara, do you want to do the second one? Yes, I'll do the second one. Our friend and coworker, Ina Freed, who is covering TED in Vancouver, one of her stories, she wrote that Google's Project Loon, a moonshot project aimed at delivering internet using high-flying balloons, is about to enter testing. But Google also said that it's killing off two of its other 
crazy projects. Let's just be admitful about what they're, they just have so much money there. They don't know what to do. They're like bathing in <laughs> cash or whatever. Kevin, which of the following moonshots did the company just kill? A, an automated vertical farming initiative. B, it's augmented reality glasses, Google Glass. Or C, a modular cell phone called Project Ara. Hmm. I'm going to go with C. That would be wrong. They're not going to do that to that lovely woman who's running that division. An automatic vertical farming initiative. I didn't know they had a vertical farming initiative. With no idea. It's right next to I really guessed between A and C. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The B, they're not going to give up. The glass, they're still not going to give up on. No, not yet. All right, Lauren. Okay. Last but not least, Uh, this one's a tough one. So we are going to give you a hint. It may or may not be about gadgets. Okay. So that's your hint. Okay. A story in The Verge earlier this week contained this quote. This thing was bronze and silver. It looked like it was carved out of metal, she said. It was so spectacular. Was the bronze and silver metal thing referring to A, Samsung's new smart shoe expected to be unveiled at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain next week? B, a giant 12-foot squid captured on video off the coast of Japan? Or C, Elon Musk's new Tesla concept car, which actually combines elements of a SpaceX rocket with a traditional Tesla design. A. No, and this is where it, we, we totally fooled you. It's a squid. This it's person squid. said about the squid that it was bronze squid. and silver and looked like it was carved out of metal. Always pick squid. Always go with the squid. Oh, right. Squid. Now I know. Now I know. Squid are very attractive <laughs> things. I didn't want to think about the smart shoe. Are they doing a smart shoe, really? Samsung has shown off a smart sneaker prototype. Oh, for- God's sake. Yeah. Would you wear Everything's that? connected. No. No? Oh. Do you like any smart clothing? That's Lauren's big thing. I, I have a Fitbit. That's the only thing that I... Yeah, all the dudes that come here have a Fitbit. Let me see. Which one do you have? I got the... Which one is this? The I have HR no idea. one? I have no idea. Charge it's, HR? Yeah, yeah. The, the heart rate one. Do you like it? Mm-hmm. I love it. I've had it for five or six what months. What do you love about it? Um, I think that... Uh, so to see the resting heart rate over a period of time, to see exercising is helped out or not uh, to see also my sleep that I've actually had is really interesting. Mm. Why do you want to know that? Just to see how stressed out I am or don't you already know that? No, no. <laughs> it's a measurement. You can look over. It's really great. Cause you could look over a, a course of a month. You're like, yeah, that's when th- that actually happened. Oh. And um, you could actually measure it. Um, the step stuff, the, the stepping is interesting. Um, I take a lot of my meetings walking. So kind of gauge how much, exercise you're able to do hmm. I, I actually when they came out i was like this is the stupidest thing ever yeah. nobody's ever you know i have a drawer full you do yeah, I call yeah. Them we call it Tara, we call it kara's very sad drawer of wearables how long, how long do you do you actually use it for i try them all and they just they disappoint me every single one except right now the uh, the amazon echo which is my best friend. <laughs> Are you wearing yet. that on your I body, Kara? Really no, but I wish I could carry her everywhere. I love her. She's great. She gave me the news last night and then some music, and then we discussed, had a little trivia time. What did you ask nice. her? Lots of things. I did trivia. U.S. presidents. It was fun. We had <laughs> a great time. It's really fun asking her like who Jeff Bezos is because she gets very proper all of a sudden. She's oh, like, really? Jeffrey Bezos oh, is wow. the founder of... It's yeah, useful. It's quite good. It's, useful. it's from Wikipedia. Like, I don't um, need friends anymore after that. Thing. Anyway... Kevin, thank you. I'm going to try out ship. I actually have to ship something tomorrow, Great. so I'm going to see how you do. It's not Kevin, an egg. I, I no don't eggs, think that you're please. in my neighborhood yet, but I really wish you were, because it if is. you were in my neighborhood, I would use you all the time for my gadget shipping. Awesome. So, you use those peanuts? I don't like peanuts. No, no, no. So we cut a, like we all right. literally cut a custom box, and so we don't right. need any Better peanuts. Any or, peanuts or, peanuts no, are not no, environmentally are friendly. Yeah, it's one of are. the worst things. How do you, what do you, are they recycled? Can you we recycle never know. Them or you don't know. Throw them out? They're inexplicable. I eat them. 
You- <laughs> well, Mel. Well, well. well, Kevin, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. And if all of you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, please subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all your tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's all on recode.net slash too embarrassed to ask. And you should also check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode and Recode Replay at recode.net slash podcasts. And of course, our newest show, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. So that means, Kara, this show is no longer the baby of the family. No, you're just is... a difficult middle child. Oh boy, that's What a fun. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this has been another episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag AskRecode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Tune in then. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Kara. And thanks, Kevin. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. Find your voice.